Section three of the Arabian Art of Taming and Training Wild and Vicious Horses. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mike Vendetti. By P. R. Kincaid and John J. Stutzman. Section three. How to proceed if your horse is of a stubborn disposition. If your horse, instead of being wild, seems to be of a stubborn or mulish disposition, if he lays back his ears as you approach him or turns his heels to kick you, he has not that regard or fear of man that he should have to enable you to handle him quickly and easily, and it might be well to give him a few sharp cruts with the whip about the legs pretty close to the body. It will crack keen as it plies around his legs, and the crack of the whip will affect him as much as the stroke. Besides, one sharp cut about his legs will affect him more than two or three over his back, the skin on the inner part of his legs or about his flanks being thinner, more tender than on his back but do not whip him much, just enough to scare him. It is not because we want to hurt the horse that we whip him. We only do it to scare that bad disposition out of him. But whatever you do, do quickly, sharply, and with a good deal of fire, but always without anger. If you are going to scare him at all, you must do it at once. Never go into a pitch battle with your horse, and whip him until he is mad and will fight you. You had better not touch him at all for you will establish instead of fear and regard feelings of resentment hatred and ill-will it will do him no good but an injury to strike a blow unless you can scare him but if you succeed in scaring him you can whip him without making him mad for fear and anger never exist together in the horse and as soon as one is visible you will find that the other has disappeared as soon as you have frightened him so that he will stand up straight and pay some attention to you approach him again and caress him a good deal more than you whipped him. Then you will excite the two controlling passions of his nature, love and fear. Then he will fear and love you too, and as soon as he learns what to do will quickly obey. How to halter and lead the colt. As soon as you have gentled the colt a little, take the halter in your left hand and approach him as before, and on the same side that you have gentled him. If he is very timid about your approaching closely to him, you can get up to him quicker by making the whip a part of your arm and reaching out very gently with the butt end of it rubbing him lightly on the neck all the time getting a little closer shortening the whip by taking it up in your hand until you finally get close enough to put your hands on him if he is inclined to hold his head from you put the end of the halter strap around his neck drop your whip and draw very gently he will let his neck give and you can pull his head to you then take hold of the part of the halter which buckles over the top of his head and pass the long side or that part which goes into the buckle under his neck grasping it on the opposite side with your right hand letting the first strap loose the latter will be sufficient to hold his head to you lower the halter a little just enough to get his nose into that part which goes around it then raise it somewhat and fasten the top buckle and you will have it all right the first time you halter a colt, you should stand on the left side, pretty well back to his shoulder, only taking hold of that part of the halter that goes round his neck. Then, with your hands about his neck, you can hold his head to you, and raise the halter on it, without making him dodge by putting your hands about his nose. You should have a long rope or strap ready, and as soon as you have the halter on, attach this to it so that you can let him walk the length of the stable without letting go of the strap or without making him pull on the halter for if you only let him feel the weight of your hand on the halter and give him rope when he runs from you he will never rear pull or throw himself 
yet you will be holding him all the time and doing more towards gentling him than if you had the power to snub him right up and hold him to one spot because he does not know anything about his strength and if you don't do anything to make him pull he will never know that he can in a few minutes you can begin to control him with the halter then shorten the distance between yourself and the horse by taking up the strap in your hand as soon as he will allow you to hold him by a tolerably short strap and step up to him without flying back you can begin to give him some idea about leading but to do this do not go before and attempt to pull him after you but commence by pulling him very quietly to one side he has nothing to brace either side of his neck and will soon yield to a steady gradual pull of the halter and as soon as you have pulled him a step or two to one side step up to him and caress him and then pull him again repeating this operation until you can pull him around in every direction and walk about the stable with him which you can do in a few minutes for he will soon think when you have made him step to the right or left a few times that he is compelled to follow the pull of the halter not knowing that he has the power to resist your pulling besides you have handled him so gently that he is not afraid of you and you always caress him when he comes up to you and he likes that and would just as leave follow you as not and after he has had a few lessons of that kind if you turn him out in a lot he will come up to you every opportunity he gets you should lead him about in the stable some time before you take him out opening the door so that he can see out leading him up to it and back again and past it see that there is nothing on the outside to make him jump when you take him out and as you go out with him try to make him go very slowly catching hold of the halter close to the jaw with your left hand while the right is resting on the top of the neck holding to his mane after you are out with him a little while you can lead him about as you please don't let any second person come up to you when you first take him out a stranger taking hold of the halter would frighten him and make him run there should not even be any one standing near him to attract his attention or scare him if you are alone and manage him right it will not require any more force to lead or hold him than it would to manage a broke horse how to lead a colt by the side of a broken horse if you should want to lead your colt by the side of another horse as is often the case I would advise you to take your horse into the stable, attach a second strap to the colt's halter, and lead your horse up alongside of him. Then get on the broke horse and take one strap around his breast, under his martingale, if he has any on, holding it in your left hand. This will prevent the colt from getting back too far. Besides, you will have more power to hold him, with the strap pulling against the horse's breast. The other strap take up your right hand to prevent him from running ahead then turn him about a few times in the stable and if the door is wide enough ride out with him in that position if not take the broke horse out first and stand his breast up against the door then lead the colt to the same spot and take the straps as before directed one on each side of his neck then let someone start the colt out and as he comes out turn your horse to the left and you will have them all right this is the best way to deal with a colt. You can manage any kind of colt in this way, without any trouble. For if he tries to run ahead or pull back, the two straps will bring the horses facing each other, so that you can easily follow up his movements without doing much holding. And as soon as he stops running backward, you are right with him, 
and all ready to go ahead, and if he gets stubborn and does not want to go, you can remove all his stubbornness by riding your horse against his neck, thus compelling him to turn to the right, and as soon as you have turned him around a few times he will be willing to go along. The next thing, after you are through leading him, will be to take him into a stable, and hitch him in such a way as not to have him pull on the halter, and as they are often troublesome to get into a stable the first few times, I will give you some instructions about getting him in. How to lead a colt into the stable and hitch him without having him pull on the halter. You should lead the brogue horse into the stable first, and get the colt, if you can, to follow in after him. If he refuses to go, step up to him, taking a little stick or switch in your right hand. Then take hold of the halter close to his head with your left hand, at the same time reaching over his back with your right arm so that you can tap him on the opposite side with your switch. Bring him up facing the door. Tap him lightly with your switch, reaching as far back with it as you can. This tapping, by being pretty well back and on the opposite side, will drive him ahead and keep him close to you. Then, by giving him the right direction with your left hand, you can walk into the stable with him. I have walked colts into this stable this way in less than a minute, after men had worked at them half an hour trying to pull them in. If you cannot walk him in at once this way, turn him about and walk him around in every direction until you can get him up to the door without pulling at him. Then let him stand a few minutes, keeping his head in the right direction with the halter, and he will walk in in less than ten minutes. Never attempt to pull a colt into the stable. That would make him think at once that it was a dangerous place, and if he was not afraid of it before, he would be then. Besides, we don't want him to know anything about pulling on the halter. Colts are often hurt and sometimes killed by trying to force them into the stable, and those who attempt to do it that way go into an uphill business when a plain smooth road is before them. If you want to hitch your colt, put him in a tolerably wide stall which should not be too long, and should be connected by a bar or something of that kind to the partition behind it, so that after the colt is in he cannot get far enough back to take a straight backward pull on the halter. Then by hitching him in the center of the stall, it would be impossible for him to pull on the halter, the partition behind preventing him from going back, and the halter in the center checking him every time he turns to the left or right. In a state of this kind, you can break every horse to stand hitched by a light strap, anywhere, without his ever knowing anything about pulling. But if you have broke your horse to lead, and have learned him the use of the halter, which you should always do before you hitch him to anything, you can hitch him in any kind of a stall, and give him something to eat to keep him up to his place for a few minutes at first, and there is not one colt in fifty that will pull on his halter. The kind of bit and how to accustom a horse to it. You should use a large, smooth snaffle bit, so as not to hurt his mouth with a bar to each side, to prevent the bit from pulling through either way. This you should attach to the headstall of your bridle and put it on your colt without any reins to it, and let him run loose in a large stable or shed, some time until he becomes a little used to the bit, and will bear it without trying to get it out of his mouth. It would be well, if convenient, to repeat this several times before you do anything more with the colt, as soon as he will bear the bit, attach a single rein to it without any martingale. You should also have a halter on your colt, or a bridle made after the fashion of a halter, with a strap to it, so that you can hold or lead him about without pulling on the bit much. 
he is now ready for the saddle. How to saddle a colt? Any one man who has this theory can put a saddle on the wildest colt that ever grew, without any help and without scaring him. The first thing will be to tie each stirrup strap into a loose knot to make them short and prevent the stirrups from flying about and hitting him. Then double up the skirts and take the saddle under your right arm, so as not to frighten him with it as you approach. When you get to him, rub him gently a few times with your hand, and then raise the saddle very slowly until he can see it, and smell, and feel it with his nose. Then let the skirts loose, and rub it very gently against his neck, the way the hair lays, letting him hear the rattle of the skirts as he feels them against him, each time getting a little further backward, and finally slip it over his shoulders on his back. Shake it a little with your hand, and in less than five minutes you can rattle it about over his back as much as you please, and pull it off and throw it on again, without his paying much attention to it. As soon as you have accustomed him to the saddle, fasten the girth. Be careful how you do this. It often frightens a colt when he feels the girth binding him, and making the saddle fit tight on his back. You should bring up the girth very gently, and not draw it too tight at first, just enough to hold the saddle on. Move him a little, and then girth it as tight as you choose, and he will not mind it. You should see that the pad of your saddle is all right before you put it on, and that there is nothing to make it hurt him, or feel unpleasant to his back. It should not have any loose straps on the back part of it, to flap about and scare him. After you have saddled him in this way, Take a switch in your right hand to tap him up with, and walk about the stable a few times with your right arm over the saddle, taking hold of the reins on each side of his neck with your right and left hands, thus marching him about the stable until you learn him the use of the bridle, and can turn him about in any direction and stop him by a gentle pull of the rein. Always caress him and loose the reins a little every time you stop him. You should always be alone, and have your colt in some tight stable or shed. The first time you ride him, the loft should be high so that you can sit on his back without endangering your head. You can learn him more in two hours' time in a stable of this kind than you could in two weeks in the common way of breaking colts, out in an open place. If you follow my course of treatment, you need not run any risk or have any troubles in riding the worst kind of a horse. You take him a step at a time until you get up a mutual confidence and trust between yourself and horse. First learn him to lead and stand hitched, next acquaint him with the saddle and the use of the bit, and then all that remains is to get on him without scaring him, and you can ride him as well as any horse. How to mount the colt? First gentle him well on both sides about the saddle, and all over until he will stand still without holding and is not afraid to see you anywhere about him. As soon as you have him thus gentled, get a small block, about one foot or eighteen inches in height, and set it down by the side of him, about where you want to stand to mount him. Step up on this, raising yourself very gently. Horses notice every change of position very closely, and if you were to step up suddenly on the block, it would be very apt to scare him. But by raising yourself gradually on it, he will see you without being frightened, in a position very near the same as when you are on his back. As soon as he will bear this without alarm, untie the stirrup strap next to you, and put your left foot into the stirrup, 
and stand square over it, holding your knee against the horse and your toe out, so as to touch him under the shoulder with the toe of your boot. Place your right hand on the front of the saddle and on the opposite side of you, taking hold of a portion of the mane and the reins as they hang loosely over his neck with your left hand, then gradually bear your weight on the stirrup and on your right hand until the horse feels your whole weight on the saddle. Repeat this several times, each time raising yourself a little higher from the block until he will allow you to raise your leg over his croup and place yourself in the saddle. There are three great advantages in having a block to mount from. First, a sudden change of position is very apt to frighten a young horse that has never been handled. He will allow you to walk up to him and stand by his side without scaring at you, because you have gentled him to that position. But if you get down on your hands and knees and crawl towards him, he will be very much frightened. And upon the same principle, he would frighten at your new position if you had the power to hold yourself over his back without touching him. Then the first great advantage of the block is to gradually gentle him to that new position in which he will see you when you ride him. Secondly, by the process of leaning your weight in the stirrups and on your hand, you can gradually accustom him to your weight, so as not to frighten him by having him feel it all at once. And in the third place, the block elevates you so that you will not have to make a spring in order to get on the horse's back, but from it you can gradually raise yourself into the saddle. When you take these precautions, there is no horse so wild but what you can mount him without making him jump. I have tried it on the worst horses that could be found, and have never failed in any case. When mounting, your horse should always stand without being held. A horse is never well broke until he has to be held with a light rein while mounting, and a colt is never so safe to mount as when you see that assurance of confidence and absence of fear which causes him to stand without holding. How to Ride the Colt when you want him to start, do not touch him on the side with your heel, or do anything to frighten him or make him jump, but speak to him kindly, and if he does not start, pull him a little to the left until he starts, and then let him walk off slowly with the reins loose. Walk him around in the stable a few times until he gets used to the bit, and you can turn him about in every direction and stop him as you please. It would be well to get on and off a good many times until he gets perfectly used to it before you take him out of the stable. After you have trained him in this way, which should not take you more than one or two hours, you can ride him anywhere you choose without ever having him jump or make any effort to throw you. When you first take him out of the stable, be very gentle with him, as he will feel a little more at liberty to jump or run, and be a little easier frightened than he was while in the stable but after handling so much in the stable he will be pretty well broke, and you will be able to manage him without trouble or danger. When you first mount him, take a little of the shortest hold on the left rein, so that if anything frightens him you can prevent him jumping by pulling his head around to you. This operation of pulling a horse's head around against his side will prevent any horse from jumping ahead, rearing up, or running away. If he is stubborn and will not go, you can make him move by pulling his head around to one side, when whipping would have no effect, and turning him around a few times will make him dizzy, and then by letting him have his head straight and giving him a little touch with the whip, he will go along without any trouble. Never use martingales on a colt when you first ride him, 
Every movement of the hand should go right to the bit in the direction in which it is applied to the reins, without a martingale to change the direct of the force applied. You can guide the colt much better without them, and learn him the use of the bit in much less time. Besides, martingales would prevent you from pulling his head around if he should try to jump. After your colt has been rode until he is gentle and well accustomed to the bit, you may find it an advantage if he carries his head too high or his nose too far out to put martingales on him. You should be careful not to ride your colt so far at first as to heat, worry, or tire him. Get off as soon as you see he is a little fatigued, gentle him, and let him rest. This will make him kind to you and prevent him from getting stubborn or mad. THE PROPER WAY TO BID A COLT Farmers often put bidding harnesses on a colt, the first thing they do to him, buckling up the bidding as tight as they can draw it to make him carry his head high, and then turn him out in a lot to run half a day at a time. This is one of the worst punishments that they could inflict on the colt, and very injurious to a young horse that has been used to running in pasture with his head down. I have seen colts so injured in this way that they never got over it. A horse should be well accustomed to the bit before you put on the bidding harnesses, and when you first bid him, you should only rein his head up to that point where he naturally holds it. Let that be high or low, he will soon learn that he cannot lower his head, and that raising it a little will loosen the bit in his mouth. This will give him the idea of raising his head to loosen the bit and then you can draw the bidding a little tighter every time you put it on, and he will raise his head to loosen it. By this means you will gradually get his head and neck in the position you want him to carry it, and give him a nice and graceful carriage without hurting him, making him mad or causing his mouth to get sore. If you put the bidding on very tight the first time, he cannot raise his head enough to loosen it, but will bear it all the time and paw, sweat, and throw himself. Many horses have been killed by falling backward with the bidding on. Their heads, being drawn up, strike the ground with the whole weight of the body. Horses that have their heads drawn up tightly should not have the bidding on more than fifteen or twenty minutes at a time. End of section three.